Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Sister on Scripture this Monday morning, the 27th of November in the year of our Lord, 2023. I pray everyone that does celebrate um, Thanksgiving, like here in America, I know we're the only ones that have Thanksgiving. Canada, I believe, has. They have a Thanksgiving as well, but I think theirs is a little different than ours, uh, but um, just because of the whole reason behind Thanksgiving. But I pray everybody had a wonderful, blessed weekend. And I know I wasn't on at all last week. I'm sorry about that. Monday, I just was not feeling very good. I was very sick. And then on Thursday, of course, was Thanksgiving. We traveled down to my sister's house. I got to spend some time with her and my nephew and and see some of uh, friends and family that we haven't seen in a while. So that was nice. Of course, there was a lot of food to be eaten. Um, and I enjoyed every moment of it. I love the I love the people and the family and just being able to talk to one another and see one another. And when you share a meal with someone, it's more than just the food that nourishes you. God uses that moment to nourish your soul as well. And it just refreshes your whole body. And so um, just having, there was, gosh, probably about 30 or so people there. It was very nice um, and pleasant and good to have just the conversation and all the hugs. I love hugs. You guys know I'm a hugger. So since we did not get to Ezekiel um, at all last week, we're going to pick up on Ezekiel 34. We had left off on Ezekiel. We read chapter 33 about the watchman's duty and how the watchman must warn or else he's responsible for the death. He has to warn the sinners of their misery and danger. And if, if, the watchman does that, then he's free from the responsibility of that person's life. But if he does not and just ignores it, if the watchman doesn't say anything, well, he's responsible for the life of that person. And so we're going to dive in. This is going to be um, Ezekiel chapter 34 is the prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Um, we've We've heard leading up to you know, this point, things that have happened and, and how God's really trying to redirect and detour the people, but they're still not wanting to listen. They've done this time and time again where they haven't listened. And so here we're going to get into the three accusations against the kings of Israel and how they exploited God's people under their care. They did not care for and defend the weak and helpless like they were supposed to do. And they allowed the flock of God to be scattered. I'm reading out of the NASB 1977 edition, if you'd like to follow along. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. They're not, they're not nourishing them. They're just using them for what they need instead of actually helping them grow and helping them to be well with them, with the shepherds. They're not, and it's not just 
a literal, it's also a metaphor as well. Because we need, like we've seen with Ezekiel, when he swallowed the scroll, he was consuming the word of God. He was taking the nourishment of the word instead of just food, just things, just, you know, for sustenance. He wanted to thrive, not only live. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity, you have dominated them. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill, and my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds feed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves any more, but I shall deliver my flock from the mouth that they may not be food for them. See, this is one of the glorious things about God. God here, you know, a lot of people don't see this as hope, but God's giving them the people hope here, just like he's given us hope throughout time. God's always wanted to, to have that relationship with us, we are his creation. He created each one of us in our own, in the own image that he wanted us for the purpose that he wanted us, which is why every day I, you know, ask God to use me for his purpose, for his will, to do his will, to glorify his name. Because it's not about me, like it's not about any one particular one of us. It's about all of us together because we are all that body in Christ. And so the message that God has given Ezekiel is a message of hope. Because the people became a sheep without a shepherd, they were given up as prey to their enemies and the land was utterly desolated. There was no rank or office that could exempt them from the reproofs of God's word, men who neglected their duty and abused the trust reposed in them. And see, like I said, we're seeing the accusations right here where he's, you know, they exploited the people under their care. They did not care for and defend the weak and helpless. They, uh, and they allowed the flock of God to be scattered. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will, will search for my sheep and seek them out. Just as he does now. He, he looks through us and to us. He wants to find us and bring him, you know, bring us back to him. And um, for an example on 
the um, the scattering and how they didn't, you could look at First Kings twenty two seventeen and Matthew nine thirty six. For thus says the Lord God. Oh, sorry, twelve. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. So this right here is God's own word to Ezekiel. God is saying he's going to seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. This is another instance where God is giving us his promise to us, but yet we still allow fear to get into our minds. We allow deception and we allow ourselves to not use the discernment like right here that he's given us. He has promised us. He is going to seek out for the lost. He's going to bring them back. If they're scattered, he's going to fix it. He's going to bind them up. And he's going to strengthen the sick. So our faith is our hope. And this right here is our, you know, this is his message again. And it's time and time throughout throughout scripture where God is showing us his promise and how much he loves and cares for us. 34:17. And as for you, my flock, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and the male goats. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feel in the good past- feed in the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pastures, or that you should drink of the clear waters, that you must foul the rest with your feet? And as for my flock, They must eat what you tread down with your feet, and they must drink what you foul with your feet. To me, this right here is saying how, you know, they didn't, they ate in the good pasture. And they rest, but they, you know, but the rest didn't. Um, That you should drink of the clear waters, that you must foul the rest with your feet. They're getting the good, and the flock is getting the leftover, whatever is left, the bad stuff. Just like tithing should tithe the first of your harvest. 19. And as for my flock, they must, whoops, sorry. 
20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and with shoulder and thrust all the, all the week with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will deliver my flock and they will no longer be a prey and I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people had been wanting a king. But God knew what they needed was a shepherd. They needed a true shepherd to steer the flock so that way the flock didn't go astray. You know, just like someone that is leading someone with scripture, like with me, um, the scripture that I'm telling you, I pray before the show to ask God to give me the words and help me because I'm responsible for every single word that I put out. Every word that I say comes back on, hey, did I, you know, is that what God was lead, leading me to? Was that what I was convicted by God? Or was that my own thoughts and emotions? Is that what I wanted or what he wanted? And that's something, that's a way that if we start thinking the way that he wants, instead of the way that we want, we can all be shepherds. We can all be stewards of the flock. And that's what I believe God really wanted was for more shepherds to help all of the flock. I know there's been a debate on on women preaching and what the scripture says, and I'm not going to get into that at all. I I am not a pastor. I don't ever never claim to be any of that. I just go by what God has put on my heart to say and do. And so I don't see myself as leading over any man at all. I mean, nobody has to do exactly what I say. I am responsible. And that's what we've gone through with Ezekiel is the own personal responsibility and accountability. I'm going to flip back here just a second. Since it's been a little bit for the, um, since we've covered the earlier chapters of Ezekiel. There's a section that I'm being led to go over with you. Normally I'll have these out, but I didn't, didn't plan to go here and I can't, I don't know all of them exactly. But it was about the responsibility and how it falls back to the individual and not another. Like with a, a father and a son. If a father is doing right then and his son is sinning, the father's not responsible for the sin. If the son is doing right by God and what... Um, the scriptures say what the commandments that God has given them, 
and um, obeying his order, uh, orders and statutes, then the son will not perish because of the father. The father will perish because of his own accountability. Yeah, I like that, Mila. Um, she says, exactly. We must be very careful before teaching others. Prayer during and after study and before teaching. Also, teaching and preaching or shepherding are different things. Women can and should teach, but they should not be preachers. This is scriptural, and I won't deviate it from it. And, yeah, I get that part completely and agree. And there's a difference on, you know, like you said, between teaching and preaching. I don't get up and give a sermon to a lot of people. I don't give any sermons. I read the word as it is written. Um, I, I may deviate slightly, but not from the word. I would go into, you know, after doing some research, after looking and after making sure that my thoughts and what is laid on my heart and I'm convicted of, that that aligns with what scripture says. So anytime I am saying stuff here, it's either I've already looked through and, and have other chapters, other verses, and have, have actually, you know, thought about what others have gone through and said that are, that are male preachers. Um, I think sometimes that word pastor especially now my apologies hold on I'm sorry, guys. Give me just a second. I'm going to play a song. Uh, I've got somebody that's popped up, and I don't know who it is. secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in him will I trust Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. Oh, he shall cover you with 
with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge his truth shall be your shield and buckler you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me therefore I will deliver him I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. Oh, he shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the
right name, but it shall not come near Sorry about that, guys. Um, yes, Neely, you're right on that. I think, yeah, we also must have the humility to lead others, is what she's saying, um, to let those who are being taught know that we don't know everything and may be wrong. We need to encourage listeners to pray and read for themselves. We all get something different from the scriptures. Oh, be safe, hon. Thank you for being here, and have a blessed afternoon. We all do get something different from the scriptures. And I think that there's a big holdup on titles. And I don't think that, like I said with the words, that I don't, I don't, want, I don't need a title. I don't want a title. I don't think at, at this point right now, I mean, we need leaders. We, we need those shepherds. And I would much rather I look to someone as a shepherd or for a shepherd rather than, you know, a priest or a pastor or something like that. Um, I think that's just that's just how I've been convicted in my heart. So um, and I don't know everything. I certainly don't. I don't even know a fourth of it. You know, I mean, I'm just here kind of like you guys. Um, God led me to do this. And so. Um, for a little over a year now, I've just been reading the scriptures and kind of giving my viewpoint on on what I'm gathering from it. But I usually, you know, it's that hel I think us talking about it and conversing helps one another. Like if somebody gives me a different perspective than what I got, then that helps me grow. And instead of people thinking that they're high and mighty and, and the leadership positions are very you have to be very careful in a leadership style position you know because people look to you but nobody's perfect you know only Jesus Christ that's the only perfect man in the flesh that we have known and so I think that we have to offer, you know, we have to offer grace and we have to admit when we're wrong um, and have that accountability. But it doesn't mean that we have to be very, um, the right word's not really coming to me. We don't have to be flashy, showy, just like God said not to be praying out in the street for attention um, to, you know, pray in, in private. It's not that he doesn't want us to pray or to pray outside and with one another. It's not that. But we're not to look for, we're not to be boastful or say, hey, look at me, look at me. It's, it's got to come from the heart. And, you know, I think we're all, you know, we're all the way God wanted us to be, created in his image. And so we need to be understanding of that. That's what Jesus was trying to teach when he said to have no other God before him and to love your brothers as yourself. 
you know, and the way that he loves us. And that escapes from us many times, time and time again, that escapes from us. And we want to be all knowing and think that we're right. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying somebody is wrong or one way is right, one way is not. But I'm saying is that I know my responsibility to God and, and for my salvation, just like most of you do. And so we have to own up to it to him, to God. We have to confess it to him, just like the ABCs. Accept that he is Lord, Lord and Savior. Believe that he was he, he rose from the dead, and we know the tomb was empty, so that's pretty easy. And then confess with your mouth your sins. That doesn't mean you have to confess them to every single person. It means you confess them and repent to God. Just like, you know, a lot of people that are Catholics think that you, this is the biggest holdup I have with Catholics, is that the priest, it's, you have to go to the priest to confess your sins. Well, no, you don't. And the scripture says it. It says that we take it to God. We don't need somebody in between. The only person in between us and God is Jesus Christ. That's it. No priest, no pastor, no no Donald Trump, no nobody. It's you and, and Jesus. It's through Jesus to the Father. Nobody else. And, and Jesus even taught it, taught to us. On, the, on his famous sermon, he's talking about who are my brothers and who are my sisters, or who is my mother, who is my father. You know, our father is God, our creator. So we look to him, and the only way to get to him is Jesus. It's not me. It's not you. It's not somebody else. It's Jesus Christ through the father. That's it. So what I'm doing here and what others should be doing is listening to what God is telling you, and, and it's a conversation. It's not a, it's not a, I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. It's a, hey, this is what I got. Hey, this is what I got. And going from there, it's, the pettiness is ridiculous. And I, it's becoming just like here, you know. God's saying, hey, you've got to take care of your flock. It's not, you know, you, you, it's us, us, us. It was all. I had somebody was wanting to buy eggshells, so that's why I had to hop off for a second. Hey, Little Red, good afternoon. Well, morning still. So God is saying he's going to send David. He's saying that I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. God's uh, once again returning to the new covenant saying where he's going to, you know, he's giving them perspective. mind the ultimate perfect gathering of Israel as part of the new covenant promises when he would even set David over them as their shepherd. 
the full realization of this prediction in verse 22 is in the future, in the Messiah's reign. Because there's a lot that Jesus has to accomplish. And I'm going to um, go to some verses here. Isaiah 55, 3 and 4. Sorry, that person coming up just totally like distracted me completely. All right, Isaiah 55, verse 3 and 4. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. According to the faithful mercies shown to David, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. In Jeremiah 30, verse 8 and 9. Well, I didn't do a lot of clicking on that one. Jeremiah 30, verse 8 and 9, and it shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck, and I will tear off their bonds, and strangers shall no longer make their, them their slaves, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Now I'm going to skip Ezekiel 37:25. It's a little bit ahead of where we're at, but Ezekiel 37:25, and they shall live on the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived, and they will live on it, they and their sons, and their sons' sons forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. And Hosea 3.5. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. A lot of people... And a lot of commentators believe that this reference to David is really a reference to the Messiah, the son of David, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Boy, I am, we, it's a Monday, guys. We are full of all kinds of excitement here. Dogs, sirens, people wanting eggs. They would say the same of many other passages, like what I just gave, which speak of David's future rule over Israel. But we could simply just observe that if God didn't intend David, he would not have said, there is nothing in the text themselves to demand that it is the Messiah and not David. That gave you some um, some other scriptures to go with what I had, um, you know, just read out of um, Ezekiel. That was thirty five or thirty four, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, 
and going into 25. And we're going to start back at 25. It's God's promise to bring blessing and security to his, to his flock. And I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season, and they will be showers of a blessing. Just like the song that I started it off with instead of the song of Ezekiel, the showers of blessing. You know, in, in hard times, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't like the rain, I don't like the rain, I don't like the rain. But the, the rain is kind of cleansing, just like this, what I love about snow. And it reminds me of the, snow, uh, the song, Who Washed Them White as Snow. By, you know, by the blood of Jesus. And that's a cleansing. It's a renewal, a refreshing. This is pointing towards the new covenant. It's, it's describing something very per- just perfect. And with that, I'm going to go to Isaiah 2.4. And I'll post these scripture references in the show notes because there's a few today. Isaiah 2.4 says, And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Isn't that promise amazing? And back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch. And he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Get back to Ezekiel 34. He says he's going to make a covenant, verse 25, and I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods and I will make them a blessing and the places around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in their season they will be showers of a bless of blessing 
Also, the tree of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and they will be secure on their land. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. And they will no longer be a prey to the nations, and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. Guys, this right here, you know, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be in fear. That fear drives war. That fear drives a huge industry. That fear is of Satan. That fear is what continues to hold God's people, us. We are his people back. Why won't we listen to what God's telling us and our and the scriptures tell us? It's not like we don't know. It's not like it's not in there over 365 times to not be afraid. Yet we still live in fear. And I know this is going to, you know, it, it's kind of controversial, um, especially a little bit in my family because I know a lot of people that, that have insurance agencies and, and things like that. But insurance is sold on fear, straight fear. Well, you've got you have car insurance. Why? Because if you're in a wreck, it, it covers it, right? Health insurance. Why? Because if you're sick, you go to the doctor, right? Get what I'm saying? Homeowner's insurance. If and, and I, I get it. It's 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 scary to to just let it all be placed in the hands in the lap of the Lord. And, and our legal system, especially like with automobile insurance, I don't think that it's something we should be required to have because God tells us not to be afraid. And that's something that is a fear. Showers in their season refer to the former rains, which break the summer drought in late October and November in the latter because they used to get, that's when they only had, they had seasons in Israel to where they had good times and bad times. Um, and so they are usually in a drought in late October and November. And then they get the rain, which soaks the ground between December and March. And so on this regularity, that's how they, the whole land of Palestine is fertilized. You know, they, they know this just like, Farmers here in America and all over the world, they know the seasons. People are not even a farmer. You know, you know, you could look at the signs like on the trees, the birds, the flowers, the grass. Not just needing the temperature. You could use multiple senses to know what's going to happen when. God here is telling us he's going to shower them down with blessings. The refreshing of the spirit are often compared with a shower, like in Isaiah 44, 3. I'm going to read that one. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. God's telling us. He's promised this to us. 
Why won't we accept his blessing, his promises? Why do we still fear? The literal is the primary concept with the, you know, of course, the spiritual elements. It's, you know, you're getting the rain, you're getting the showers, you're getting the, the blessings. It's more than just one particular thing. In Acts 3, 19 and 20. But Peter and John, oh, that's the wrong, sorry. Acts 3, 19 and 20. Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you. See, our sins are, is, is washing us clean. Like I've said, you know, a couple times before about how sin creates, it makes us like Swiss cheese with our relationship with God. We have holes in us for each one of those sins. So that's why we must repent. And it doesn't have to be up to everyone else. It's just a repentance from you to God. If you've wronged somebody, the right thing to do would be to go, you know, apologize. But then again, the only person you're responsible to is God on your soul, on what you've done. You repent to God. Well, to Jesus, to God. Our sins wash us. You know, I mean, our sins, when we repent, it washes us clean. We're no longer stuck in that. God's telling them they should dwell in the safety and that nobody should make them afraid. He's promising that in the completion and perfection of the new covenant, Israel would be restored and set safely in the land. Jeremiah 23, 6. Jeremiah 23, 6 says, In his days, in his, the H is capitalized, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. That's it. God's going to provide all their needs and they shall, shall not be consumed with the hunger in the land. Also, the tree of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and they will be secure on their land. This is verse 27 in Ezekiel 34. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. Right now, our government is enslaving us, and the government was created by the founding fathers to work for us. But instead, we work for them because, oh, I don't know. Are we afraid to say something? Are we afraid to 
spread the, you know, the message that God says. We don't have to be afraid. We don't, you know, we don't have to fear. We can live safely, securely. God's going to feed us, nurture, uh, nurture us. And they will no longer be prey to the nations, and the beasts of the earth will not devour them. But they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. And I will establish for them a renowned planting place, and they will not again be victims of famine in the land, and they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. See, the people wasn't getting it through their heads that the great I am is their God. That's it. The only one. And it's what a lot of people in Jerusalem, as well as, you know, the, the Muslims and the Palestinians need to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Because it's only through Jesus that we get to God and God's promises and his blessings that he wants to shower on us. We are responsible for going out into the world and spreading this message, spreading this gospel, telling others. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because we have a Savior. We have Jesus Christ. And through him, we get to the Father and the promises and the blessings that is shown time and time and time again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. God's promises are constantly coming back up. Just like he promised Noah in the days of the flood that he was not going to flood the earth again. He's, he's given us covenant and even given us more chances at a covenant. So eventually where we had to have Jesus Christ come because the people still wouldn't understand, hey, I am your God. I am your father. I am the one who loves you. I am the one who created you. I am the one who's going to feed you. I am the one who's going to provide you shelter. We don't do that, but yet in our minds, we go back to that, that worker-slave mentality to where we're slaves to our, our jobs. We're slaves to a corporate system. We're slaves to fear. When we break those chains of true release, where we're truly understanding that we are free in Jesus Christ because of what he did on that cross, because of all of the hours of, of torture that he went through. Six hours, I believe it was in Sheol. Sheol is hell. Total darkness, absence of light, nothing. Jesus did that and conquered that death for us. So why are we afraid that Jesus can't conquer anything else for us? Why don't we understand that God has given us Jesus, God has given us our salvation that we do not have to be afraid, just like what Ezekiel 34 is saying. He's making a covenant of peace with them. He is eliminating the harmful beast of the land. Right now, the harmful beast of the land is, one, our government, two, the corporations. You go to work, you do the same thing over and over and over again for what? What is it for? Can you, I mean, you can't take these things with you, right? 
The only thing you take with you when you die is your salvation and your soul. Where is it going, heaven or hell? I say hell no and heaven yes. I say no fear because our God is here. Our God loves us. Our Jesus died for us. That is important. That is epic. That is the ultimate show of love that anyone could ever have in their life. But yet we reject that for fear. We reject that for thoughts of what ifs. If we start just every day, change that and say, God, use me for your purpose to do your will, to bring glory to your name. Pray that in the morning. Be expecting he will use you, though. And you've got to, you know, trust in him. Don't listen to me. It's in the scriptures. God's giving us our promise time and time again. And we are at the end of 34 um, and at the end of the hour. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll pray out. And then I've got the... um, I'm going to do that Showers of Blessing song um, that I started with this morning. It's a very good song. Um, And it goes really well with this. So, guys, join me in, um, in a prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for coming into this space with us and this time um, to help us grow and learn through your word, through the words you give to your prophets, to give to us. Father, help us to realize that and help us to apply it, not just to to read it and hear it, but to apply it in our lives, Father God. We are all going through different things. This earth, this time right now is very, it could be very, very scary, but God, you've told us, just like here in Ezekiel 34, you told us that you're going to send a shepherd, a servant for us. We will have a prince. We will have a king. And that is Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the one who who conquered death, the one who loves us so much that he went to hell for us and spent hours in torment and torture. It could have it could have had it stopped at any point in time, but instead he endured for us. So, Father, help us have that courage to endure. Help us have that discernment that says, you know what? God made me. God wanted me here. God has a purpose for me. What does God want to use me for today? Father God, use us. Use all of us. Use us to do your will. Use us to bring you glory. Use us to help others come to you, Father God, because it's not about any one of us. It's about all of us. You've all given us all different thoughts and and different minds and different voices. and, And yes, we speak different languages, but... But will you bring us all together in that unity of the body of Christ? The one true king who who rescued us, who saved our wretch like me. Because of that grace, because of that mercy, because we were worthy. He did that for us. So, Father God, help us be able to know that he loves us. Help us to be able to know he's right beside us so we do not need to fear We do not need to be afraid. We do not need to have that worry. We will be fed by your word. We will be nurtured and comforted in your arms. That's our shelter. 
not not things, Father. Help us to have have you and not those things because you will provide everything we need if we just turn to you, if we seek you. And so, Father God, I pray that if there's anybody right here, right now, that is having troubles at home or in their life, that they just pray this prayer with me and just say, Father God, I am here with you now. I am sorry and repent for my my sins. But Father God, I, I can't do this alone. God, I need you. I need you and your help to guide me. I need you and your love to let me know that it is okay, that I do not need to be afraid. And Father God, I need you every day to give me the needs, to meet my needs, Father, because only you can meet those needs. Only you can be that light in the storm. Only you can rain down those blessings upon us. Father God, please release us from our sins. Forgive us for our transgressions. And, and we just thank you for the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. The ability to have these scriptures and these Bibles. To be able to go through with one another and discuss it and marinate on it. And, and then go out into the world and live on it. Because we're all over the world right now. Um, there's people from all kinds of walks and cultures and, and colors and skin tones and hair color, eye color. We're all different. But... We're all one in you. Father God, let us not have labels divide, but instead have your love bring together. Have your love bind us and clothe us in only the way that you can. Division and, and anger is something that is coming from the fact that we are so close with you in our walk that Satan is scared and shaken in his boots. And so, Father, for those that have that fear, know that God is with us. Jesus is with us. He will rescue us, not us. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it through him. And so, Father, for Jesus' blood and, and because we are healed by his, his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. So, Father God, anybody that's needing healing right now, I just pray a blessing of healing on them. I pray, pray clarity of the mind, body, and soul that whatever is going on, whatever is troubling or worrying you, that that be released right now, that it's just given to you, God. And if you were going through that, say, I give it to you. It's yours, Father God. It's not mine. Father, for, for those who are traveling, today that uh, that are going back home or going um like scott's going to have his surgery tomorrow he's traveling to arizona right now i just pray for your protection over them and for all of us here father god listening live and later i pray the protection of you over them and your shield may they put on the armor of god and, and walk in righteousness in jesus name i pray amen Guys, thank you all for being here. I'm going to um, play this song again. It, there, there will be showers of blessings. I pray everyone has a wonderful, blessed day. We will pick up Ezekiel 35 on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Um, as far as Bards FM shows, Scott's going to keep us updated and let us know. He's not quite sure yet, but I did tell him to rest 
him relax today and tomorrow that he needs to take care of himself because he needs to be, you know, no, no stress, no anxiety, not sleepy or anything like that. So that way his body can heal after that surgery. It is a long surgery, a long procedure. So keep him in your prayers and um, just know that uh, we'll keep you updated. Guys, have a blessed day. I love you all and see you on
the showers we believed but for the showers we believed but for the showers